Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. And I am particularly excited on this Sunday morning. I've had a very relaxing morning because I am not preaching this morning. We have a guest with us today. If you're in the room and you want to be seated, that's great. I just want to tell you a little bit and introduce to you someone who is not a stranger to this platform by any means, but is new in this spot. Many of you will have noticed Chris Baker, who is here with us today. He is also a musical genius, and I do not say that lightly. I think I'm using the term accurately when I say it, and he's been here many times before, back kind of in the spot that David's in, but today he's gonna be front and center bringing the word, and maybe if I was introducing him I would tell you about all of his background in classical music training or tell you how he has a master's in organizational psychology and how he and his wife are on staff at the Potter's House, North Dallas. I might tell you about all of those types of accolades, but I think instead what I'd like to tell you about is the kind of person that he and Tina are, the kind of people that they are. They are kind and they are honest They are godly. They're the kind of people that answer the phone when you call, that are there for you and are in your corner. They're the kind of people that are humble when they're off of the stage and confident in Christ when they're in front of people. They're the kind of people that I want to be like when I grow up. (laughs) So it is my honor today, and I am very excited. Will you help me welcome back to this platform in a new spot, Chris Baker, Cornerstone. Good morning, Cornerstone. Listen, we've been preaching to empty rooms because of this pandemic. So the fact that I am in a room with people that are praising God, I want you to do me a favor, okay? Y'all are used to this. We're still doing church online at the Potter's House in North Dallas. So I just want y'all, this is just for me. I want you on the count of three to just lift your voice and give God the craziest praise you can muster. This is just for me because I haven't been able to hear the people of God praise God. So can, can y'all do that for me? On the count of three, I want you to lose your mind and give God the praise that he is worthy of. One, two, three. Lift your voice and give him a praise. That's all you got? I'm sure he's been better than that. When you look back over your life and you see what God has done for you, how he's brought you out, give him praise. We're we almost there. Just, just a, This is for me. It's been, it's been 12 months since I've heard the people of God give their great God a great praise. Okay, okay. Woo! Okay, thank you so much. I needed that. I needed that. I needed that. I needed that. I am so grateful for the opportunity to be here today to share the Word of God. I want to honor your founders, Bishop Bishop Pitts and Pastor Kathy. God knows we love them. If you love them, give them a round of applause. They are goals. (laughs) They are goals. And Pastor Meredith and Pastor Phil, what you guys are doing is remarkable. And we love you. We honor you. I bring you greetings from the Potter's House of North Dallas, where my spiritual parents and my in-laws are Bishop Brady, Bishop Joby Brady, and Pastor Cheryl Brady. Y'all love the Bradys. I've had the honor of serving in their field and serving them for over 20 years, but I still got the best end of the deal. You know why? Because I got the girl, my wife, of going on 17 years. Baby, I love you, Tina. You are the best part of me. If anyone should ever write my life story. Yeah, y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all been saved too long. 
Uh, we're going to go right into the word of God. The worship team, thank you guys. Jason, thank you. Like, you guys are amazing. Thank you for plowing. Thank you for the price that you pay to create an atmosphere that we can encounter God's presence. We're going to go into the word of God today. I know, I believe I have a word from the Lord from you for you today. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 1. I know you guys have been in a series um, talking about all I do is win. And so for me, if you will, could you please stand? Um, it's customary for us when we read the word of God, we, we stand. Uh, Pastor always say, if it was for the judge, you would stand. <laughs> so we're going to read, starting from uh, verse 1, and uh, we're going to read a little bit. So uh, once you have that, I want you to say, I have it. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. Verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, not some, but every. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you some of the days when you do things right. No, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so will I be with you I will never leave you nor forsake you look at somebody and say he won't forsake you be strong and courageous because you might be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them I want you to skip down to verse 9 have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell them. Get your provisions ready. Look at somebody and say get your mess ready. Get your mess ready. He says get your provisions ready. Within three days from now you will cross here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you for your on 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 you about to cross over into something I know the devil said you wouldn't make it but God brought me from Dallas Texas to tell you that in three days we are going to cross over into some stuff that God has purpose plan and design for us for the next few moments I'm just going to talk from the topic, the crossing. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this awesome opportunity that you've allowed us to assemble ourselves in your presence. God, we understand that in your presence, we have everything we need. God, we ask you to anoint us now afresh. Allow us to hear your word, God, but don't let it stop there. Allow that word to permeate every aspect of our being so that we can emerge and become more like you. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. On your way down to your seat, I want you to, don't slap your neighbor. You can't touch your neighbor. Just say, I'm about to cross over. Thanks, bro. You know, the other day I was in my office working and, um, you know, I, I'm a big to-do list guy. Do we got any to-do list people in here? I'm old school. I still have to write mine down and there's nothing more gratifying in, than just having your pen and being able to mark through and be like, I got that done. So the other day I was um, working on my calendar, working on my schedule, and it hit me that this month is already gone. I mean, time ain't waiting for none of us. It seems like it was just yesterday that we we're celebrating and thanking God for bringing us out of 2020 into 2021. It was like yesterday when we were celebrating New Year's Eve. And let me tell you something, 2020 was such a doozy for me. It was such an awful year for a lot of us that when God allowed my eyes to cross over for me to cross over into 2021, it was cause to pause to give God a praise because why? He allowed me to make it into a new year. He kept me, and I'm so grateful that God kept me. Now, here's the thing, that while my heart was filled with gratitude and I was extremely grateful that God kept me and allowed me to cross over into a new year, 
I made the futile mistake of assuming that just because I walked into a new year that I was automatically walking into a new season. Uh-huh. We do understand that a new year doesn't always equate to a new season. Here's why. Time does not determine the changing of our seasons. God does. Daniel 2 and 21, he says, he says, times and seasons are in my hands. So from that, what we can ascertain is that God is indeed sovereign. Look at your neighbor and say, he's sovereign. We understand that God can do whatever he wants, with whomever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, because he's sovereign. Now, here's the thing. We cannot assume automatically that God's sovereignty negates our personal responsibility. For you and I, we have, uh, uh, we have uh, this thing where we must be willing to partner with God and participate in God if we are wanting our seasons to change. Somebody said, I need some scripture for that. Okay, let's go. Deuteronomy, I think it's 30 and 19, it says this. I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings therefore choose life that both you and thy seed may live it's a choice god does not make us choose life god does not make us choose good he gives us free will to choose for ourselves i know we like to quote ephesians 3 and 10 for god you know um, he's willing he's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according and we shout on that we shout about that but that is a very discriminating text because because while God can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think, if you read on, it says God's ability to do that is according to the power that's working inside of us. What am I saying? God's ability to perform in your life, in my life, is predicated on the power that's working inside of us. If we have little power, then God will move in a little way. If we have big power, then God will move in a big way. Do you understand that we are participants? In this thing God desires for us to participate with him here's why because our participation it shows God that we are willing to do whatever it takes to lay hold of the thing that he's promised us who wants to walk into a new season raise your hand if you want to walk into a new season how many people in this room would say, I am tired of talking about it. I'm tired of shouting about it. I'm tired of praising about it. It is time for me to do whatever I need to do so that I can walk in what God has for me. If that's you, shout amen. amen. We are participants. Here's the thing we must understand that we must be willing to go through whatever process we need to go through to qualify us for the promise. We do understand that the promises of God does come with a prerequisite. And that prerequisite to the promises of God will always be known as the process. Somebody say the process. You can't get the promises of God without being willing to go through the process. You can't get the promotion on your job if you're not willing to go through the pressure. So God, what he does is he says, I want to give you this new season. I want to release this into your life, but I have to see if you have what it takes to manage the season that you're praying that I allow you to walk into. Here's why. God is an incredible businessman. He says, I won't put more on you than you're able to bear. God is saying, if I gave you the 50 new clients, would your infrastructure be able to handle the thing you're praying for? The question is, can you handle the blessing that we are praying and we're asking God to send us and so God in his infinite wisdom what he does for us Jason from time to time is he'll send us through the process somebody say process now we like to run from the process we don't like to talk about the process because we just want to get the promise but God said I gotta take you through the process now here's why there's purpose in the process the, pro the process is what God uses to equip us so that we can handle the blessing. If God doesn't take us through the process, then if we get the blessing without going through the process, we may mismanage the, pro we may mismanage the promise. So God says, I will take you through the process. Somebody shout process. It is something that we cannot escape. Now, the purpose of the process, it does this. It redefines our perspective. 
we see that the children of Israel, they have in our text, they have just left Egyptian um, captivity and they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, God could have easily allowed them to walk out of Egypt and go straight into Canaan, but he didn't. He took them through the wilderness. Now, here's why. The purpose of the wilderness was not to kill them, but the purpose of the wilderness was to kill some things in them. See, the purpose of the process that God takes us to is not to kill you. God sometimes takes us through the process for the sole purpose of killing some stuff in us so that when we walk into our next level, we want to engage in self-sabotaging behavior and thus disqualifying ourselves from laying hold of the thing that God purposed, planned, and designed. So what? He allows the process to redefine our perspective. He also uses the process to teach us how to deal with trauma. I know we say trouble don't last always, but let me tell you something. While God will get us out of trouble, and trouble does not last always, but let me tell you this. While trouble don't last always, trauma that's sometimes associated with the trouble does. And if we don't unpack the trauma of the former season, and we try to take that into our new season, it will disqualify us. So God uses the process to teach us how to deal with our trauma. You ever seen a person that constantly get out of relationships they break up with a person and they don't they don't go through no space they get right into a new relationship what happens well Bobby is good at first but in six months Bobby becomes just like Brian was you know why here's the thing the problems not necessarily with Bobby the problem is you haven't unpacked the trauma and so you move into the new relationship and you engage in self-sabotaging behavior and what you wind up doing is getting the same thing out of the new thing that you got out of the old thing. And God is saying, I want you to walk into this season. But I can't allow you to walk into this season if you're not ready for it. So the, the process, it redefines our perspective. It teaches us how to deal with trauma. And God uses the process to teach us how to attribute value to the promise. You know if you don't pay for nothing, you know if you get it for free, you don't value it. You know why they charge you membership fees at, to go to a gym? Because if you got it for free, you wouldn't go. Some of us don't go and we still pay for it, amen, amen. It, it teaches how to tr attribute value to it. My, my son, Jaden, he's 15 and he's a, he's a, he's a musical genius. And, and uh, we bought Jaden a phone. Lord, we bought him a phone. Uh-huh. And we trusted him with this phone. And um, I'm going to tell you this. Jaden had that phone for six months. Jaden broke the screen on that phone. The, the screen was cracked. He cracked it at least four times. Four times. Every time you get a cracked screen, you got to take it to the store. And they got, that's, cost, that's $100 a pop just to fix that screen. Here's the thing. It mattered nothing to Jaden because it didn't cost Jaden anything. Here's what I did. I said, I'm not fixing it another time. He cracked it again. That thing was so messed up. My, my wife will tell you, it was so cracked and so jacked up. But here's the thing I said, I ain't fixing it. I mean, the boy would have little things in his finger because the glass was getting in there, but I said, I ain't fixing it. I ain't fixing it. And you know why? Because you don't know how to value it. And he couldn't even text people because half the screen won't work in. And it was all jacked up and all messed up. I said, I ain't fixing it. When Jaden turned 15, he got enough money and he went and bought his own phone. Guess what? He's had that phone for nine months. Ask me, has he cracked it yet? You know why he ain't cracked it? Because it took his money. It took his money. And see, when you have to go through the process, you know how to attribute value to the thing that you're believing for. So God told me to tell you, stop crying about going through the process. I'm using the process to position you to take hold of the thing that I promised you. Look at somebody and say, embrace the process. In our text, we encounter people that have been, they have been in the process for 40 years. They have went through so much. And, and now they are on the brink of crossing and, and, and of laying hold of their promise. I mean, the promise is within reach. They can, they can see it. They can smell it. They can touch it. Have you ever been so close to something that that's like, I, I'm almost there. But, but there was one thing that was standing in between them and their promise. It was called the Jordan. Bishop Pitts challenged me with something years ago. He says, stop reading the Bible as if it's something that happened, but 
but read the Bible as if it's something that is still happening. What I'm saying is, their Jordan was a body of water. My Jordan, while it may not be a body of water, it may be insecurity. See, everybody under the sound of my voice, I don't care how good you look, how great you smell, and all of that kind of good stuff. Everybody that's listening to me today has a Jordan. The Jordan can come in a multiplicity of fronts. It can be, uh, um, it can be anger. It can be shame. It can be regret. You can't move into the new because you're regretting a former mistake that you made. It can be so many things. That's the Jordan that God will say, before you grab hold of the promise, you're going to have to cross your Jordan. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to cross your Jordan. I know you may not look like you got one, but you got a Jordan. You're going to have to cross your your. Your Jordan. I love this because the Jordan simply is anything that separates me from what God has for me. It is anything that's standing in between me and my promise. The children of Israel were at this point where the promise was in reach, but they had to cross their Jordan. From our text that I read today, there are four things that we will extrapolate from the text that God uses to teach us how to cross our Jordan. The first stage of crossing over is the stage of separation. The first verse we read was Moses, my servant, is dead all throughout scripture we see how god requires his people to engage in separation abraham leave what you know leave everything that you can see and go at the god that you cannot see are you willing to do it all throughout scripture we're seeing how god is requiring separation from his from his people I believe that this separation and isolation can be the usher that God uses to position us to be in the place we need to be so that when he speaks, we are prepared to receive what he has for us. I'm going to say it again. Separation and isolation is the usher that God uses to position us to be in the place we need to be so that when he speaks, we are prepared to receive what he has. Here's the thing. It's not that God isn't speaking. Sometimes the voices around us are so loud that we cannot hear the voice of God. And God says in this first stage, one of the things that is most important is that you hear my voice. So what God will do is he will allow people that we think were pillars in our life begin to separate themselves from us. Because you can't hear God's voice if everybody's voices around you is so loud. Whenever calamity hits your life, if the proclivity is to, what do you think, mama? What do you think, cousin? What do you think, best friend? What do you think? Let me tell you, in this season of crossing over, it ain't about what they think. We need to have our ear attuned to the voice of God. I need to hear what God is saying so that if God say go left, I can go left. I don't have to, I don't want to be questioned by people. I need to be able to hear the voice of God. So God will begin to cut things back in our lives. And here's what we do, guys, from time to time. We will cry and we will, we will, God, why'd you let them leave me? Oh, God, why'd they leave me? God says, stop crying about what you lost. The miracle ain't in, ain't in what you lost. The miracle is in what you have left. Stop crying over the people that walked out and left you. I love what John, John says. Listen, if they were with you, if they were for you, they could not leave. But because they left, let me tell you something, they could not stay. Why? Because God is saying, what I'm wanting for you, you're going to have to be willing to separate yourself and be okay with separating yourself from people. Separating yourself from things, separating yourself from ideas. It is imperative. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now here is the thing that we must understand. 
about that. You can't receive the new until you're willing to, until you're will, you're ready to let go of the old. You can't walk into a new season until you're ready and willing to let go of the old season that you're in. So God says, I need you to separate yourself from some things. One of the hardest things in the world to do is to separate ourselves from things or people that were good in a former season. Moses was not a bad man. It was just that Moses' part of the story was over. And we have to get to a place that we have to stop saying, God, I want us to go back to what we used to be. And God, I want you to do what you used to do. And God, I want you to let, why can't we go back? God has said, I'm never going back. Do you understand? I am wanting to do a new thing. And I will not do a new thing the old way. If you want what's new, you got to be willing to let go of what's old. Look at somebody say, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let people go that try to hold you hostage to an old version of you. I'm going to say that again. You got to be willing to let people go that want to hold you hostage to a version of you that has an expiration date to it. Oh, God. We've got to let it go. We have to be willing to separate ourselves. The fastest way to kill something new is to keep comparing it to something old. The fastest way to kill what God is trying to do in this new season is to keep comparing it to something that he did in a former season. I'm going to say that again. The fastest way to kill what God is trying to do in a new season is to keep comparing it to something that he did in an old season. I am desiring to do a new thing. Cornerstone, I want you to understand that God is desiring to do a new thing. Can you not see it? Can you not understand? I am wanting to do something new. Don't you put me in a box? Don't you hold me hostage to a movement that's already moved on? I am wanting to do something new. Shouty's wanting to do something new. The second stage after he's taken us through separation is the stage of confirmation. Somebody says confirmation. He says, no one, this is verse five, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. <laughs> As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is confirmation. Anybody ever paid a bill? And when you pay the bill, they say, sir, do you want your confirmation number? Yes, I want that. Here's why you need that. Because them jokers come back and be like, yo, Mr. Baker, you didn't pay that bill. Y'all ever had that happen to you before? And I like to be able to refer to, yes, I did pay it. You know why? Because here's the confirmation number. The confirmation is, it's undisputed. I did what I said I was going to do. God is saying, I am confirming this, that it doesn't matter what you lost. It doesn't matter what you walked away from. I know you're in a vulnerable state, but I want to confirm something with you. I know you're scared, but I want to confirm that I am with you. Oh, I thought I was talking to a church that knows what it means to have Jehovah with us. Do you understand when God says that I am with you? He's saying I'm with you in the valley. I'm with you on the mountain. I'm with you going through bankruptcy. I'm with you going through the divorce. I'm with you going through chemotherapy. I am with you. Look at somebody and say he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. Oh, God, that's, that's, that's good to hear that he's with me. Here's why that confirmation is important, Pastor Meredith. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here's why confirmation is important, guys. It is the antidote to two of our greatest enemies. Your greatest enemies is not a person. Two of our greatest enemies is fear and discouragement. Your biggest enemies, he said, ain't the Canaanites and the Legisites and the Toledoites and the Dallasites. Yo, your biggest enemy will always come in the form of these two twins, fear and discouragement. He did not say, listen to the text, he did not say, don't feel fear. 
or don't feel afraid. That's human. That is a thing that has allowed us as human, as a human species to survive. But he says, I don't know, no, 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 it's okay to feel fear, but don't become fearful. See, feeling is a state of mind. Being is a state of existence. When you become afraid and everything you do is driven by fear, you ever talk to a person, let me tell you this is what they sound like. I don't know why you're trying to do that, baby. You shouldn't be going after that. That's just, that God, that God's hand ain't on that. You know, when you hear people like that, they are, it's, it's, it's a mentality of fear. And here's the thing, fear and discouragement is so awful because fear will make sure you never go after what God has for you. And then discouragement will make sure that even if you go after it, you won't continue because you're going to get discouraged and quit. So God told me to tell you that even though you are feeling afraid, even though you go through seasons and you feel discouraged, you have to constantly remind yourself that God has not given me the spirit of fear. You have to constantly talk back to fear and say the Lord is, not was, but the Lord is my light and my salvation of whom shall I fear what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? God is saying, I'm with you. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid to go into this next level? I am with you. Fear will talk you out of things that you was born to do. You in the blue, you were born to do something special. Don't let fear talk you out of the thing that God put you on this earth to do. I've learned to do this with fear. Fear is an indicator of what I'm supposed to run head first into. I'm like, okay, oh, devil, you telling me I can't do this? I run right into it. Why? Because I ain't standing on my strength. I'm not going in my power. I am going in God's power. And if God said I can do it, then I can do it. If God says I can have it, then I can have it you got to talk back to fear you got to talk back to fear you got to talk back to fear I, I I read some stats you know this is my organizational psychology part of me that kicks in and I'm, I want to share these stats with you it says 40% of all fears about the future never happens 30% of the fears you have about your past can't be changed 12% are needless fears. 10% are petty fears that aren't worth worrying about. That only leaves 8% that are legitimate fears that can be dealt with by taking appropriate action. Out of the 100% of the things we fear, these stats are saying there's only 8% that you really have to worry about. And the thing that you can do is you can just take a legitimate action. You need to get a plan. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. The enemy, he allows us, and he will, he will, you can't do that. You, you, you can't do that right now. You, 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 you're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You, 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 you're not good enough. You're not from the right family. Uh, you don't have what it takes. And God is saying, I'm with you. You want something deep? Here it is. God is with you. You want something deeper? Jehovah, the I am that I am, that spoke worlds into existence. Things that we are still trying to scout, count. He's saying, don't worry about it. I am with you, Pastor Meredith. God is saying, I am with you, Cornerstone. God is saying, I am with you. I am with you. Remember that, that stat that talks about the 8% <laughs> of legitimate fears that can be dealt with by taking appropriate action? Here's the appropriate action in step three. Preparation. I know you thought I was going to say fast and pray. You know you need to do that. You don't need me to tell you that. He says, stage three, after you've gone through separation, after I've confirmed that I'm with you, now what I need you to do is to prepare. Joshua says in verse 10, he commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, 
prepare your victuals. <laughs> prepare your victuals for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan. God, he tells Joshua and the people to, to, to get ready, get ready, get ready. I know Bishop Jakes, he echoed that, that 30 years ago, but I just want to tell you, it's time for you to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Stop talking about the next level and get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Stop talking about how it's too big and get ready, get ready, get ready. It's time for you and I to get ready, to get a plan, a plan. A plan here is why, because opportunity doesn't waste time on those that are not prepared. <laughs> opportunity comes for, to every man and every woman. Two things happen. Either the opportunity comes and we're not aware that it's an opportunity, or whenever it comes, we're not prepared to seize the opportunity. I got a question for you. How many opportunities have you missed because you weren't prepared for it? I know you prayed about it. I know you fasted over it, but you missed it. We missed it. I missed it because I was not prepare Joshua tells them prepare your victuals now you must understand Joshua is different from Moses Joshua told them if you want to go you're gonna have to get your own mess together Moses no Moses did everything it was Moses's faith okay you want you 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 want to be fair with man Moses though he did that you 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 know you you want to go through the red sea Moses did that it required nothing of them but in this season that we're wanting to go into God is saying no longer can we just depend on Pastor Meredith and Pastor Phil and Bishop and Cat Pathy uh, Pastor Kathy we can't depend on their faith we can't always just rely on that God is saying if you want it you're gonna have to get it for yourself look at yourself look at your neighbor and say it's time to prepare it's time to prepare he says prepare your own food can you feed yourself can you go to God for yourself I love the worship team I love the band but if they don't sing a note, I know how to go to God for myself. If a prophet never lays hands on me, I know how to get what I need to get from God for myself. I'm not talking to an old, no, I'm talking to a new generation, and it ain't got nothing to do with age. I'm talking to a new generation of people that are saying, God, I ain't waiting on this person. I'm not waiting on that person. God, I believe that what you have for me is so amazing that I ain't going to let that hold me back. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to get a plan. I'm going to prepare because I got to go after it. I've got to go after it. I've got to go after it. He says, prepare. Prepare. Look at somebody say, prepare. Prepare. Prepare a plan. Proverbs 16 and 3, and I love this. It says, commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Again, I, I read this research, and it says this. Again, I'm a stats guy. 27% of all Americans have given no thought to their future. They've given no thought at all. About 60% of Americans have given some thought, usually it's only in the area of finances. They only give financial planning a thought. They don't think about any other area of their life, that's 60%. Only 10% of Americans have given serious thought to their future. And only 3% of all Americans have a plan written down with goals, only 3%. Now, they went back and they did a study and they studied these four groups and here's what they discovered. Almost all of the people who had given no thought for the future were on welfare. They were welfare recipients almost 100%. Most of the 60% who had given some thought to the future were barely making it, barely making ends meet. All of 10% who had given serious thoughts were what you would call successful, all of them. And here's the thing. Those with written goals and plans were highly successful. They were the top achievers in the nation. In fact, those who had written down goals and plans were out achieving all the others 10 to 1. What am I saying? God is saying my people are not perishing for the lack of a shout. My people are not perishing for the lack of church. My people are perishing for the lack of a plan. We need a plan. We need a plan for our families. We need a plan for our finances. We need a plan for our emotional health. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? I 
I'll never forget Pastor Kathy came to the church for our marriage conference. And she challenged, she challenged the couples. And she says, let me tell you something that I've done since my kids were little. If we, we have always had a family mission statement. And when she said it, I was like, ooh. And she said, here's why. Because when times get tough and things and life just happens, that plan will be the grounding thing for my family to always know what God had placed inside of us to do in the earth. Do you have a plan for your family? What is your plan? Takes us into the fourth stage. After we have went through separation, went through confirmation, went through preparation, we've got to the fourth stage. And this is my last point, and y'all can go eat Bob Evans or crack a barrel, because that's what I'm going to eat. The fourth and final stage that God will allow us to go into is a stage of activation. Activation. I know you have a plan. Now I need you to make a move on that plan. Don't you stand back and look at this Jordan and think that I'm going to part this Jordan for you. You're going to have to do something. Look at somebody and say, it's time for you to do something. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's time for you to do something. Make your move. Make your move. Make your, make your move. Uh, uh, Joshua 3 and verse 13, what it gives us is um, it talks about how and it gives us how they actually crossed over and explains that when this happened, Pastor Meredith, this was the worst possible time of the year. Can we put that graph, that, 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 that video up? It was at the worst possible, worst possible time. For at this particular time, it is the spring. Of course, you two Ledoites, y'all understand what happens in the winter. We don't get the winter like y'all get here. It's too cold in Toledo. It's too cold here. It's just, but anyway, the snow had melted from the mountaintops, thus causing this body of water, which isn't really a big body of water, it caused it to swell. And God says to them, now I want you to cross. It's just like God to ask you to do something at the worst possible time. You want me to start a business in the middle of a pandemic? You wanted me to go back to school? God, I got four kids. I don't have time. You want me to go after another opportunity? God, I just survived bankruptcy. I mean, for real? That's what you wanted me to do? God, you wanted me to love again. Don't you know my heart was just broken? They just took advantage of me. And you want me to love again? You want me to trust again? And God is saying, yes, here's why. I don't ask you to do things when the timing is right and when it feels comfortable. I'm going to always ask you to do something at the wrong time because I don't want you to, to get twisted and think it was your strength that you can rely on. God is saying, my strength can't be made perfect when you're strong. God's strength can only be made perfect in our life whenever we are at our weakest. So God will say, and he will ask you to do something that's absolutely, positively crazy at the wrong time to see how bad you want it. How bad do you want it? He says, it's time for you to, to cross. This crossing was different from the Red Sea crossing. I told you that when they crossed the Red Sea, all they had to do was sit back and say, go Moses, go. Y'all seen the, the movie, the old, the old he, Charleston Heston was, behold the salvation of the Lord. And then the waters parted and all they had to do was like, all right, come on, y'all, let's walk, let's go. This crossing, different. They would have to participate in this process 
if they were going to cross this Jordan. Verse 13. Now here's the tension in the text. And I'm almost done. You can go ahead and play. Verse 13 says, And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. I know we thought that it, as soon as they touched it that it was going to roll back. That's not what happened. He's given them the instruction says, as soon as you are able, put that graph back up there for me, soon as you are able to find rest in the middle of that, the storm is raging. It's a flood. The current is pulling. God, what are you doing in my life? This thing is going to take me out. You want me to rest? You want me to find rest in that? What, what does rest mean? It's, it means quiet, calmness, tranquility, peacefulness, serenity, stability. The Hebrew word for rest is nuwak, which means to cease and to be quiet. That's where we get the word, the phrase cease and desist. God is saying the true thing that's going to show me you're ready to cross over is when you are in the middle of the worst part of the storm that you can refuse to allow the enemy to buffet your mind and you can come to a place and say, God, I'm going to be okay. The storm is raging. The winds are blowing. It is at the absolute worst time and you want me to find rest in that ultimately it comes down to do you really trust God? I know you say you worship him but do you really do you trust him? Jesus was the perfect example of this in Mark chapter 4 when the disciples they was on the boat and and Jesus was at the bottom of the boat and they were, it was a storm and the disciples were like, oh my God, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus down there knocked out. They go down there and Jesus says, oh, what y'all waking me up for? Jesus goes up and looks at the storm and says, peace be still. Jesus had the revelation that I think we need to have. Jesus understood that the boat was built to survive the storm as long as it was on the outside of the boat, didn't get on the inside of the boat. Mm-hmm. They, the disciples should have known that as long as Jesus was at the bottom of that ship, that boat ain't going down. You and I have to know, in spite of whatever we are going through, that as long as God is with us, that we are not going down. We are going to make it over it, make it through it. We are going to outlast it. It's not going to take us out, but God is going to use this thing to take us in to our next level. If you believe that, give God a praise. Give God a praise. Give God a praise. I can't stay on this side of the Jordan another day. I'm willing to go after it. I'm willing to go after it. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. This is the final thing. Verse 17 says, And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. And when they stood firm in the middle of the Jordan, <laughs> all of the Israelites passed over on dry ground. When they stood firm in the middle, <laughs> when they stood firm in the middle, one of the things that keeps us from crossing is because ultimately in our minds, we don't feel like we can get to the other side. I don't know if I can finish school. I don't know if I really can trust again. I don't know if I do have what it takes to start this business. 
I don't know if I have what it takes to start over again. I want to tell you, it says when they stood firm, not on the other side of the Jordan. It says when they stood firm in the middle of the Jordan. God told me to tell you this. He ain't waiting for you to get to the other side of it. He will meet you right in the middle of the thing that you are facing. He's not waiting for you to get the victory over it. He's not waiting for you to cross over it on your own. God is saying, I just want to see if you're willing to step out and stand firm. Because if you're willing to do that, I'll meet you in the middle. Do I have anybody that understands what I'm saying? You know that God didn't wait for you to get on the other side of it, but he met you in the middle. He met me in the middle of my pain. He met me in the middle of my frustration. He met me in the middle of the bankruptcy. God met me in the middle. And when they stood firm on it, all of them, look at somebody and say all of them, everything attached to them, everything attached to them, everything attached to them, they, their cousins, their aunties, their uncles, their brothers, their sisters, everything attached to them crossed over on dry ground. God told me to tell three people, it ain't just about you crossing over, but when you make the decision to separate, to be understanding that God is with me, when you prepare, when you activate your faith and say, God, <laughs> I'm going to go after this thing because I want my son and my grandson, I want my daughter, I want everything attached to me to cross over and to go into what God has purpose, planned, and designed for their life. If that's you, give God the craziest praise you can give him. I thought I was in a sanctified church. I thought I was in a church that understood that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would have lost it. But because he's with me, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, I'm willing to cross over and go after everything that God has for me. Somebody is saying, Pastor Chris, I wish you to preach this message when I was when I was 25. I wish I would have heard this when I was younger. But here's what I'm about to hit you with. You know how old Joshua was when he crossed? 110 years old. Never say never. It's never too late for you to cross your Jordan. It's never too late for you to cross your Jordan. Thank you.